Hello Climate Change, Waking Up and Taking Action, One Conversation at a Time. Today, oh, I'm Amy Kalisher, and I'm with Sharice Matthews today, who I've been really looking forward to talking to. Um, Hi, Sharice. Hi, Amy. (laughs) Maybe you could tell us a little bit about you and how, how are you doing with our new Trump presidency so far? Well, thank you for yeah. inviting me, and um, that's always a hard question for me. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Mm. I, I feel like maybe there's other people that are better at that than I, I am. Know. Um, <clears throat> I have to say, probably a good place to start is what drives me is connection. Mm. So that's connection one-on-one with uh, humans being yeah. um, in a group of humans um, either being or acting or, you know, creating in some way, and with um, all the other beings, you know, the animals and the trees and the earth itself, you know, the the part that we walk on, you know, is so important. So conversations and connections, I mean, that's part of the appeal here, really, you know, it's like to get a whole, whole onto what a conversation, what conversation is being shaped, you know, what's, what's emerging in this moment. Um, sort of like walking around that, but, uh, one thing I'll say, one thing that really drew me to wanting to have a conversation with you on this podcast was watching your presence on Facebook around what's going on with North Dakota, Mm. with the pipeline and just how clear you were, that you were wanting to support that effort and organize people to to do what they could from where we are in Connecticut. So, you know, calling out for, I'm going to be sending a package. Um, anyone want to drop off anything for me to put into that package? That kind of thing, which just is, I think for me at the time when I saw that, um, it was nourishing to see that because I felt frozen. I felt like, I hated what was going on there and wanted to support and looked at, I got a little overwhelmed with all of the, um, well, there's all these advertisements on Facebook for t-shirts to buy and, and, you know, that's in support of it. And I just think, is this someone cashing in or is this actually money going to the cause and just feeling like I couldn't sort out what made sense. And even though I probably could have, there was just something very like child, like I went into this like, sort of scared, overwhelmed child kind of point of view. And so so you were sort of a beacon for me. How did you get there? Like, how, you know? Right, okay. And so, and, so, and so I'm hearing what you're saying, and, um, and sometimes that happens to me, too, where I'm, like, scanning, and I'm like, okay, somebody just tell me what to do. Right, you know, right. Somebody give me a task. And I think, of course, at this time in our cultural history, the, it's even more overwhelming than it was then, right? Um, for me, two things happen when something big like that comes up that touches me that I feel like I have to engage with this. Mm-hmm. And one is I feel like we all hold inside of ourselves the um, the truth of what needs to happen, what's just, um, what's right. So bouncing into what's happening right now, you know, I heard that the whole, it's like the pushing, uh, covering um, the scientists, right? Co- closing up the doors so they're, so we don't have the access, you know, the EPA and all. So, like, it's so important for them to, to bring us that information 
because a lot of people aren't going to understand it as true and right, and we need the data, and we need to understand how we're actually affecting the planet. But I feel like every single one of us, if we stopped for a second, we took a breath, we stood on the ground, we would know, right? We would know how much damage is being done, and we'd know exactly the things that are causing the damage, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. not a secret, right? <laughs> so for me, when something happens like Standing Rock, it's... Um, okay, this is something I connect very deeply to because of my personal past history, story, roots, and everything. Um, and I need to do something. And so um, just, I do. I just have that moment where I just stop and I say, okay, what can I do? I don't, I try not to overwhelm myself with data coming in. Mm. And that's why I said what I said a second ago, because I feel like data coming in confuses us. Um, it's important to gather information, and I bow down to those people that can spend days on end gathering information because I cannot do that. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us are so full in our lives that when we get that data, it just keeps coming in. The stories and the visual, you know, the images of all the things that are happening in the world, and we go to overwhelm. It's just, it's, it's, there's no other way, right? You're just going to go to overwhelm because you've just filled your glass over full and it's all over the counter and you can't decide whether to turn off the water or grab the cloth or call for help or drink what's in the cup real quick. Right? It's like it's like you've got to do something, but you're frozen. And so for me, that was a really perfect example of when I knew that a simple action could happen and it was actually it came to me as a call, a gesture for help, that the call went out. Mm -hmm. And I was connected in such a way that I heard that that call went out. And so I passed that on. We just coalesce around that. But the other piece to me that feels just as important is the piece about gathering people. And so the same day that that call went out and those things happened, I started moving forward with how can we bring people together so they can have a moment to stand with each other, witness what's going on, hold the energy of what we're all feeling, and just just be with that, you know. And so we had a prayer circle, which was which was really beautiful. And and I feel like both of those things need to happen. And I'm not sure which is most important. You yeah. Know? Whatever moves you forward, I right. can imagine. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. I think I think that the coming together of people. In, in a real heart-centered way that can hold whatever they're feeling. And then, of course, I work a lot with rituals so that you have ceremony. You work a lot with what? Rituals. So there's, there's like, ceremony that supports that. So you're moving through and you're recognizing, you're holding, and then perhaps you're dispersing some of that energy, you know, however that goes. It's always different, right? But... I, I went to uh, Hartford on the, the day that the Women's March was happening, Yay. and um, I really struggled with the decision, and it surprised me that I'd struggled. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I think there's good reasons why. <laughs> there's a lot of good reasons why I struggled, but it still surprised me in a certain respect. Um, first of all, I had a lot of friends who were going to D.C., and... I felt a little overwhelmed about that. When that planning was going on, I was sick. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought, let me just stop being sick, and then I'll decide. There's room on the buses, whatever. And then the this is going to sound like a litany of excuses, but it's really just life. So then my husband was in this terrible car accident and broke vertebrae in his neck. And by the way, listeners, he's he's amazingly okay. It's been five weeks since it happened, and he's back at work and went for a long run yesterday. And so, you know, it's pretty amazing if you see the uh, the hardware that's now in his neck <laughs> to to see him in in real life. But anyway, so but there was a period of time there where I was running back and forth to the hospital and I was sleeping on the couch because he was sleeping in a recliner and I was helping him in the middle of the night and you know so it all went on hold and then there's been some terrible news in my family that's sort of ongoing um, that I'm contending with. So it sort of got pushed, pushed and pushed the decision. And I found myself awake at like 1230 at night uh, or that very early Saturday morning thinking people are going to be getting on buses in an hour. The buses are all full. It's too late now. But if I just go, I'm sure there's someone who's not going to show up. And I kind of had this moment of thinking I could get my stuff together in half an hour and get down there and maybe I'll get on a bus and I I let it go. It was just a little too much. So I ended up going to Hartford. Um, And I really was on the fence even to go to Hartford. There was another layer for me. And that layer had to do with my feelings about protests. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have sort of, I've been to some. And I guess because of that, I have sort of a preconceived notion of what they're like. Um, and they can be empowering and they can be discouraging and they can be draining. And I went to one in Hartford on a weekend where everyone marched down the streets of downtown and, you know, there's nobody around in downtown on the weekend because it's just a, it's a, you know, Monday through Friday kind of area. So it was nice to meet a lot of people. It was energizing in that way, but in terms of it being effective or useful, I wasn't so sure. But with the women's march, um, Ultimately, I was like, I, I knew on some, like deep within, I sort of had this like the the childlike enthusiasm to be part of something was more exciting and, and and energizing than the cynicism and whatever. But when I got there and stood in the crowd, I thought, oh, this is this is the real reason I wanted to back away because it was very emotional for me, um, you know, standing in this in this crowd where everyone's like seeking eye contact with each other and looking to be supporting and you know making room for the people in the wheelchairs to get to the front and you know just there was a different it was mostly women it was amazing and um where am I going with this it's an answer to what you were saying um that's the piece the piece about community and building connection with people is the part that's harder for me Mm -hmm. and it's probably hard for all of us in a certain way it's like we get into the sort of isolated lives. So I, at the time when you were organizing to bring people together, both in terms of a practical action and sort of to, to nourish each other, care about each other through our feelings, share our feelings about it, put our hearts together in a sense. Like to me, it was like there's this kind of swarm of people and you were standing up a little higher above and I was looking to you in a way. Um, and... Um, yeah, so that was good to hear you talk about how it came. So you said when you you felt a call or you heard a call, was there like a, sp- a physical thing that happened there that gave you the message? Well, that the the particular call that I was referring to yeah. was just that it kind of came through my news feed from right. people that were connected out there because right. they have different kind. We all have different connections, right. so we all get different information, and yeah. that was part of my 
my sort of connected yeah. feed that just came out that right. said, all right, we need this. Right. And so um, that was another thing that in the process of doing this podcast um, that has gotten clearer for me has been, at first it started out like, oh, this is overwhelming, what do we do? And then the next thought, one of the next thoughts was, okay, I need to decide where I'm going to get my information from. Mm-hmm. And there comes, and there is, I agree with you that part about like just stopping because I don't need, in a sense, like I don't need any more information. I know what's going on. I know what the problem is in terms of what the problem is. Right. But what I still need a lot of information about is how to reclaim my power to, to claim the world as mine in a sense, as, as we all should. And, um, or can, I don't know if should, I don't like the word should, no pressure, no pressure, but the world is yours. (laughs) You have a right to it. Well, and that's one of the, that's kind of what I was saying before is like, we all know what the problem is, you know, and then we keep, I think it's easier sometimes to get stuck in the loop of digging into the problem and trying to find out more about the problem and gathering more data and connecting to more groups and what we really might do that might be more certainly self-empowering and then also eventually more impact on the world is just to take that one tiny little step Mm. in the direction that you feel like you you want to go or need to go right or that we all need to go this is the direction we need to go we need a cleaner planet you know we need more just systems you know what what is and one simple action and i think that I feel like one of the problems that we face is not people that don't want to do things, not people that are necessarily what you'd call really apathetic. It's just so much overwhelmed. They're so, so like, how do you even know what to do? You know, and, and with, and I think about, um, people that are working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, or they maybe have children or someone in the household that's sick and needs some extra attention, or maybe they're right on the edge and they're barely making enough money or they're not really well. You know, it's like all these things that just life is so full. And then we're asking them to step out and do something significant to change the world around them. They're like, they just like belly up right i can't just i just can't do this and then also even if your life isn't so full with and i I don't mean to belittle those things you just said at all but i want to just call them excuses not i mean i don't it's the wrong word it's really the wrong word because they're they're real and they're and we shouldn't if we had a healthy society we would not have we have a nice system it's just not functioning right you know, that where we have representatives who devote their time to, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, our taxes could be going to things that, that actually help people instead right. of us having to sort of do fundraisers to help people, right. you know. But but so even if you don't have any of those things going on, mm-hmm. the 40-hour, 50, 60-hour, the kids, the sick, the what, all, all that stuff, the overwhelm could simply be, I'm shy to talk to people about things that they might disagree with me about. Right. And, you know, all the training that, that, you know, polite society kind of stuff where, where it's not, you should not bring up politics at like on the, at the holiday dinner table or, you know, or around in, in social situations. You don't talk about politics. You don't talk about money. You don't talk about religion, you know, because there's, there's such deep, we have such deeply felt, um, uh, differences there. 
Right. I was just re- recalling when I was down in Willimantic on the street corner a couple of weeks, was it not this Friday, but the Friday before, doesn't matter, um, and it was regarding the sanctuary cities and the safety and all that. And we're standing on the corner, and there was quite a nice crowd. And everybody's all excited, and the banners, and people were driving by honking their horns. And you're just like, your body just sort of expanded into the sort of like glory and community of the day, right? It was just that like it felt like you knew most of the people, or at least a lot of the people mm-hmm. you'd seen. It was like, it just was like all around feel good, right? Okay. We're all together. We all have similar um, ideas, and you know, maybe not the math of the whole thing, but we have a feeling about what's right. But then every once in a while, a car would drive by, and they'd hold up their Trump sticker, oh. or they'd put the fist out the window and scream Trump. And it was in that moment, oh. it was like I felt my body, um, like back away, like my body, my I, like uh, my energy, which had felt originally so expanded and so full of community and connection, just like shrunk right down and became very small and sort of tight and protective. Mm -hmm. And you can almost like imagine that the whole crowd felt that way, except for people that are very like warrior-esque, right? You know, those people are like, yeah, bring them on, you know, it's like, but a lot of us were like, whoa, you know, it's like, ooh, it was almost like somebody struck you physically Mm -hmm. uh, with the words. And so, yeah, it's not, it's not, this is a time that people's courage is truly being tested. You know, it really is. And and I I don't think we're inclined to think all that courageous, you know, and feel all that courageous, especially when things are abstract. Like if there's a person in front of you, it's very clear that person needs X and you can provide X. And he's like, you reach out and you do it, you know, so very easy, you know. But right now we're working with a lot of abstractions, I think. And I think it's harder then for people to take that one really concrete, simple step. What is the one thing that you can do? You know? So one thing that has happened in my life since I started deciding to engage in this direction is that I've had to, um, I've had to accept where I am mm-hmm. so that I can take a step from that place. Yeah. And part of that has been to make space in my life for one thing to do, you know? It, this is, I feel embarrassed to say this, but I see a shift in myself around just basic taking care of my most immediate environment. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be hard for me to stay on top of um, just the basic put, put my laundry away, you know, that kind of thing. And the reason I think that shifted wasn't because, um, it really wasn't because I, just, I felt urgency about um, what's going on in the world and I, I felt like, I needed to like get my shit together, you know, which, which doesn't, I may have that kind of self-talk, but it doesn't really work. What I think actually happened was I started to let go of all the shoulds in my head about how I use my time. I felt a lot of pressure about how I use my time. Um, and always felt like I was doing the wrong thing when you're self-employed, you know, it's like doing your laundry instead of working on that thing you're writing it's a very tough choice in, in any given moment until you just sort of come to terms with a smaller to-do list every day. Mm-hmm. And so somehow things have shifted. So I've been looking around my life in the last couple of weeks and seen that the shift has really taken place. And, you know, the fact that I'm doing this podcast is part of it. I'm, I guess it's, I'm in the second year of doing it, but now I've kind of figured out a, a window in my weekly life instead of sort of catch as catch can, like, 
I can make time. I have time because I've made the space. So that, I don't know, I feel a little bit of relief <laughs> because of that, because I can tell that I'm actually making progress. Still a ways to go. Well, yeah, and, and I think really, um, for what it, wherever each of us is coming from in our individual lives, whether mm-hmm. we feel empowered or not empowered, or mm-hmm. whether we feel like we understand how the system works or we don't, or what, to whatever degree we feel like we can make a change in the world, um, I think most of us kind of have an idea that there are times when we need to show up, you know, and um, to let ourselves off the hook yeah. about what that's going to look like, you know. Um, I, and I have that, I have the voice inside of me, like somebody said the other day, well, you can't save the world, or the first, the mo- oh, this was what it, and of course that's another one, you can't save the world. Mm. Well, maybe you can, Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, th- but what was said to me was the first priority is to take care of yourself. And so yes. theoretically, I kind of understand that. Yeah. But I also, there's some part of me, either in some sort of genetic time travel way or in some sort of, I don't know, there's some sort of coding in me that knows that that's not always a prerogative. Yeah. Like we can't always put ourselves first. Right. We can't always say, well, I got to get my eight and a half tonight because I deserve it. You know, because doesn't everybody, right? right? And maybe maybe you live in a situation in a time where, you know, somebody else's need is more important than your yeah. own, you know? So it's like juggling all that yeah. and trying to decide. But I really feel like um, what holds a lot of people back is measuring themselves against what they think they should be doing yeah. uh, in the world about anything. Uh, certainly it's hold, held, held me back mm-hmm. because I feel like the gifts that I have as far as what I can do in the world, what, what my, what my being gets excited about doing, mm-hmm. you know? So like I personally get excited about rallies and marches cause like I'm with all those people and it's yeah. just like all this energy and it's just, they're they're for each other right. and with each other mm-hmm. and that for me is like I don't feel like that's a stretch. It actually feels more like a party <laughs> yeah. than than a stretch. But to be able to say that's okay. Right. Because there's people that either can't or just don't want to be there and somebody needs to be there yeah so why not the person that enjoys being there right not everybody's going to do podcasts because not everybody's got the time or the equipment or the inclination or the skills or whatever so amy coucher is doing podcasts <laughs> how awesome is that you know um what is randy you interviewed and he's like out there trolling for information and i'm like thank you randy for mm-hmm. christmas another one information give me that information feed it to me because I can't sit in front of the computer like that. Mm-hmm. I go crazy. Mm-hmm. I like I literally lose my like patience. I'm like shut the thing and walk yeah. out the door. But what I do know is I love when something comes up and it and I get that emotional hit yeah. that we all need some sort of mutual support uh, and some healing so that we can do the work that we each of us needs to do or wants to do. Um, I can do that. Yeah. And I can get excited about it and I can feel good about it. I like what you're saying about that split between taking care of yourself and as being a healthy, making sense thing and also sort of maybe possibly self-indulgent thing. Um, um, I've been struggling with that myself because I feel like I get the message loud and clear about white privilege, for example. Right. 
Um, and, and, and basically what I take from that is that the, the, for me, I don't know, maybe the overarching privilege is that we get to decide whether or not we deal with it. And whereas people who don't have the, uh, advantages we have are dealing with it they have to deal with it all the time and we don't like it but we can say i just need to watch some comedy it'll make me feel better and i and i'm tired you know or whatever or i had some other plans today you know and so um i i have been at times frozen in this sort of guilt like you know because i see those those urges that are that I can tell are rooted in that privilege. I would not have those challenges if it wasn't for the privilege. Um, however, on the other side of the coin, the things that I feel I should do, I then get caught up in thinking like, but yeah, but that's a lot of effort for something that actually I'm not sure moves things forward that much, but I'm not really sure what does move things forward for me personally, like uh, being another body at the March or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when I went to the women's March in Hartford, I'm, things shifted for me. It was, it was something I had to do personally, push myself to go. And it was emotionally hard to be in that crowd to the point where I eventually just said, and especially when the speeches started to be more about sort of political male political rhetoric and not about the point of the March, like there came a point where it was not resonating anymore. And I just was uncomfortable in the tight crowd and I couldn't express the emotion I was feeling, but I walked away from that. But I did see a huge shift in me afterwards. All of a sudden, especially with all the stuff that has been going on in my personal life, I was finding myself remembering all the friends and basically women friends that I have out there that I have not been reaching out to and who I want more intimacy with and more connection with. And so I just started calling them and saying, Hey, I'm going through a rough time or texting them and then talking or like, I'm going through a rough time and and I could use my friends. You know, I could, I, I need my friends. And so in the last ever, I mean, really Sunday, the day after it, that, that shift was in place. And I, I was, you know, sitting and looking at the New York Times has a um, a um, collection of photographs of the march all over the world. I sat, sat there, like, looking through this huge... Have you seen it? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I sat I sat there crying, just yeah. looking through everyone. Yeah. There's one... I don't remember where it was, but somebody had a sign saying, Save American Women or something like that. <laughs> I was like, oh, they care about us, you know? <laughs> it was just everything made me cry. The, the, Antar- the, the barge in Antarctica, you know? And, like, yeah. just yeah. just amazing. And seeing that it is really mostly women and women who are organizing this and women who are at the front and women... Women who are are kind of coming together and 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 being strong and mm-hmm. you know s- stating loudly and clearly what what our values are and so that was just you know a major contradiction to the message we always get about women being weak and and, and you know not that powerful and all that stuff so that was great where was I going um, oh and so the realization that I had more recently that's been helpful and I hope I hope I can hold on to is that. There's two parts. One part is that it makes sense to keep figuring out how to do more. Mm. And the other part is I will not be able to use my own mind to decide what makes sense if I am listening to the should. Because the should is not my own mind saying Mm -hmm. this is what needs to happen. This is what resonates deeply. Sometimes, like going to the march, like... I think we need two different words for should. There should be the internal <laughs> should, the internal like, you know, drive, and then there's the external should. The, ultimately, I could tell that the internal should, that this was something I needed to do for me to see what was in my way. Um, one, and I'm glad it did. 
Yeah, we don't want to be driven by shoulds. And I think one of the things that I want to do is is be be super super aware of um, unplugging from all the shoulds. You know, in whatever ways we do it. You know, whether it's you know for me it's the media stimulation that makes mm-hmm. me feel like I need to do more because um, it's just like my whole body leans into action. You know, and um, there's just, I can't I can only do so much. Um, so just realizing that, like yesterday was a media fast for me. For me. Mm-hmm. It was very purposeful. It was planned. And it was not easy. I kept starting mm-hmm. to pick up the computer. Or I think one time I actually did cheat on myself. Well, I know that I actually did. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know that I actually did cheat because I picked up my phone and saw there was a Facebook message. And I, and I went ahead and looked at it on my phone, which was mm-hmm. not my intention. But it was sort of like... Almost accidentally, <laughs> but but it it really felt good. Now I did get a couple of pieces of information, like I heard about um, the prohibition, the ban on people coming in, and the mm-hmm. uh, the the, um, the actions that were being taken at at the airports. And my heart was like full, yeah. you know, my, my heart was full. It was like the hurt of like, oh my gosh, this this where are we? Yeah. Right. Where are we? What's happening? And then also the that sort of upliftment that it, it took like no time for people to spring into action. Right. And there's there's millions of people in this country. Right. You know, so we don't all have to show up at JFK. Right. <laughs> it would be a bad idea if we did, mm-hmm. you know. So um, so let, you know, those that can mm-hmm. and are moved to do that Mm -hmm. and I think of course the scary part in this as you spoke to is like the privilege whatever your privilege is whether it's economic or whether it's racial privilege or whether it's you know the privilege of having somebody else take care of all your stuff for you or you know it's Mm -hmm. and um and of course racial privilege being pretty high on that list but stepping back from the edge like I see it in my mind as like this project that's happening the culture you know how it's shifting and for us to step back from the edge you know some people would say the growing edge or you know the really hard Mm -hmm. edge you know the edge where it gets scary where you have to actually talk to somebody you don't agree with or where you have to talk to somebody that you might be afraid of Mm -hmm. you know um that that to step back from that edge just because you can you know, and then go do something really fun and walk away and be unaware, you know, that that's what you're doing. That's probably the the, the most damaging piece, mm-hmm. you know, a step down from that, right, is when we, we choose, we say, I cannot engage in this right now. I need to take care of myself, and I can. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like I say, I have like a little bow down to, you know, when I do that sometimes, I just bow down and I say... I wish everyone or somebody, like I'll say, all right, I'm just not going to go there, right? And then in my mind, like I'll actually, like a face or something, I'll visualize in front of me that person who can't step back from Mm -hmm. that, that person who has no choice. Like, for instance, the people coming off the planes, I'm not going to go to JFK. And I'm like, and immediately I see those people that have got no choice. They're in 
wherever it is they're putting, you know, and they're holding them and they're talking to them and they're rifling through their stuff, right? And they're making decisions and they don't even have a framework for it. It all happens so quickly. And I just, inside of myself, I bow down to the hopelessness of like where they are in that moment. They can't just say, oh, time out. I think I want to go watch TV and eat some popcorn right now. We'll get back to this later, you know? So, <laughs> so hopefully my self-care in that moment, acknowledging that someone else may not have that option, will help strengthen my connection mm-hmm. and commitment to them so that when I can or when the opportunity arises that is, is one that is best for me to step into, uh, that right. I can step right into mm-hmm. it and I can be fully connected and fully committed right. to that. Yeah. Because I think that it's not nothing to sort of suffer in our minds and hearts mm-hmm. with someone else. Right. That's not nothing. And I think sometimes I'm inclined to, to I think there's a lot of people who feel like it's, it, it is. You're not doing anything. Well, you just, you know, mm-hmm. well, I feel like there's so much going on in the world that some people are just right now. Their job is to shed tears mm. for how painful this is for so many people. And that's all they can do. Right. Their job is to process what's happening and that is what they do you can't expect those people that are processing digesting if you want to look at that digesting the sickness the poison that's moving through our culture and then get up and put on a happy face and a pink hat and show up in New York or Washington (laughs) and smile and give everybody hugs they can't they're at home in bed they're vomiting Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and that's, I think, and that's something I actually, that's a, a sort of a recent sort of emerging sort of understanding is that, that, that is not nothing. Yeah, I agree. That's awesome. I love how you said that, all of that. And I also think that's where the overwhelm, where you, the way to respond to overwhelm in a more productive way is um, to reach for another person mm-hmm. and just say, I'm feeling overwhelmed by, there's so much suffering happening and I feel powerless or whatever and uh, and you get a chance to shed the tears because if you don't get that because that's what heals us right so and makes us capable of of hope you have to grieve to be hopeful there's just no other way or else you're going to be angry because like it seems like it's it's really interesting to watch I mean I find it hopeful all of the debate happening in social media and mm-hmm. like I'm talking really Facebook, Twitter has more always been this way, but, um, but Facebook is with your friends mm-hmm. um, and people that, you know, maybe you just kind of recognize from high school and were from the same town and don't even know. Like I had this great interaction with someone. I wrote a post on Facebook last night saying something like, um, Hey, Christians, you know, shouldn't you be the next to march? This this kind of stuff is not your thing, right? The turning back refugees and, mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and so there was um, somebody who wrote me back saying, I, I don't want to argue, but I drive by the tent city. I don't even know where he lives. but um, And he's saying 10% of, I don't even know where he got the statistic or if there's truth in it, but he said 10% of our population is starving. And you, know, so hate, you can hate me if you want for saying this, but... I don't think that they should come second to 
these people from the Middle East who've been warring for 2,000 years or something like that. So, I mean, okay, there's some racism in this, for sure. There's the lack of sort of the perspective that, you know, we've been funding these wars. Um, and um, there's a lot of things you can say there about this. Um, but ultimately, it was so great to be able to say, like, I don't hate you. In fact, I really admire you for being able to share your views with the, even with the expectation that, that, that I'm going to, that you're going to be hated for them. And I also am like touched how much you care about the poor in this country. And then I just talked about wealth inequality and like, you know, like 40% of, of the wealth in this country. And this is this great video. It's uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put a link to it in the notes from this podcast, which by the way, as at hellocc.info. That is the website I have for the podcast, but you can also um, find it on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, that's my commercial break. Um, but anyway, there's this great video that sort of visualizes the... It was made in like 2012, so it's whatever the statistics may have changed a bit since then, but I don't I don't imagine they've improved all that much. Um, but anyway, I was saying 40% of our wealth in our country is concentrated in the top 1%. Mm. And um, the CEOs in the country make something like 380 times more than the average worker. I'm not talking about the janitor, but the average worker in the company. So in other words, a individual average worker has to work for a month to make as much as the CEO makes in an hour. Mm-hmm. And when you see that 40% of the wealth is in the top, and it's like just huge, when you see these graphs in this little video, it really takes those numbers and visualizes them in a way that's stunning. Because when, even when I say it, I don't picture it the way I, the, when you see it in this video, you really picture it. Um, but like we end up arguing amongst ourselves um, in terms of who gets the crumbs. Right. Like this, this right. you know, the, the, we should not have to be choosing between right. the people who are homeless and poor and suffering and don't have health insurance and taxpayers who are just trying to, you know, get a, make a good life for their kids and whatever it is. Like, we shouldn't be fighting between ourselves and then also saying, we don't have enough to help the other people who are starving and dying and desperate in other countries. It's like, this is not where the argument is. This 40% are out there. And I, I want to say also, just for my own personal record, I'm not saying that the people who have all that wealth are bad. No. Ultimately, the only way we get progress is that you, where you change people's minds or whatever is that you make them feel safe enough to, to, to feel like they can change their minds. You know? Like if they're, they're going to be condemned, whatever they do, they're going to stay where it feels safe. You know? Yeah, no, and then of... another um, example of that is the pushback, I feel like that, or the desperate clawing or the intense um, action of poor white men in this country right now. And it's because they've been disenfranchised. Right. And it's so easy for me as a lifelong feminist <laughs> <laughs> to say, well, <laughs> you know, the problem is you know, our patriarchy, the problem is the male structure of one over another, you know, that hierarchical, the man at the top makes 350 times more than the man at the bottom. (laughs) And, and some people are comfortable with that Mm -hmm. um, way of making an economy or building a culture. Um, 
But there's a lot of people that are disenfranchised by that. And they, yeah, the, the image of us all crawling on the ground fighting for crumbs, you know, is so, is such a potent one yeah. because it's exactly what's happening, right. you know. And those, those poor white men, if you want to give them a demographics, you know, they're, you know, the trailer parks and the, the apartments and the, you know, they're, they're not able to support their children. And, 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 and I mean, this is not a real easy time to talk with compassion about them, but they're actually part of what upended um, our political structure right now. Like they're part of how we got where we are well, right also now. Also women, white women. Well, and they're associated women hmm. um because i think in a lot of those i could be wrong but hmm. i feel like in those situations those a lot of those women are standing with the safety uh perceived safety of their men, their men. Yeah, yeah i i i have the same like sort of hunch but i have no yeah. i have no um i i'm actually there was one person i sort of have a mental note in facebook a woman who who was who i another one from high school who i don't really have a close relationship with never really spoke to when we were kids, but, but, but I'm friends with on Facebook, um, um, was sort of flagging herself in my point of view, um, as someone that has that point of view, I was kind of eager to follow up with her and just kind of understand, you know, what, what, what's going on there? Like, what, what do you think? And, um, I guess the only reason I really brought that up yeah. was not to say that those people are, they got us into this mess, yeah. <laughs> right? It was really more um, that, that idea that we do need to find room to have compassion for all the facets. It's like, it's like to have a body and decide that your left hand is useless. <laughs> <laughs> or, geez, you just don't like having ears anymore. <laughs> so you're just gonna get, or that because you have one problem that you're going to eliminate that piece or in your house, you know, or in your family, you know, that person's a problem. So we're just going to eliminate them. We're Mm. going to shut them out and we're not going to support them. And, and, you know, as, as humans being cultural, um, um, social creatures, we, we have the, um, I think the desire, the capacity and kind of the need to be in, uh, support of one another. I think that's just part of who we are. But sometimes it's really easy to cut people off and say, those people we're not going to support. We're not yeah. going to help them. Many, many years ago, I used to work uh, volunteer with the Salvation Army on uh, soup truck trucks that fed uh, people on the street corners in Hartford. And it was a great, it was a great way to give to the community and it was you know, I would drive to Hartford and we'd make these big monster vats of soup and we'd have donated bread and we'd take it all out in the street and we'd feed people. And um, it was really um, eye-opening to watch um, the interactions and meet people and a lot of really, really lovely people that needed a lot of support, needed a lot. I mean, a lot of the people we met, that was the only meal they had every day. Mm. and uh, and par- I went through the winter so sometimes it was really cold mm. and they were not well dressed or prepared for the weather and they were standing there with these little bowls of hot soup and it just seemed so inadequate yeah. and then for personal reasons I had to quit and uh, it wasn't long after I quit that I discovered that they disbanded that program mm. that they wanted fo- to focus like the resources they felt like were better spent on women and children which, mm-hmm. being a woman with children, <laughs> that's my affinity group, you know, so I've gone like, yes, women and children. But I'm like, 
what about all those men? Right. Because what are you, what are you creating for and with them? Yeah. You know, you're creating an environment that's pushing them farther out, um, the less support, um, more marginal, um, and, and if you want to think of us all as one, if even just putting compassion aside, you're creating more problems. Right. right. There's something about, like, if you refuse to put compassion aside, then you have to stand in, in this. No, this is not a legitimate choice. Yeah. And then you have to feel something. Yeah. And then you can turn around and say, wait a minute. 40% again, you know, that whole thing comes back. Um, it's awesome talking to you. I, would, I will say that. I knew it yeah, would be. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I'm just going to let the next thing bubble up. If you have something bubbling up to say, feel free. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things that's bubbling up for me is how, um, and this is probably completely not for the podcast, it's just like me talking to you, mm-hmm. um, is that um, the, how quickly things change, you know, it's like one of the, 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 one of the focuses of your series is about the environment, and then the social environment becomes such a huge um, issue that our hearts just have to um, speak to that and, and work with that, because, mm-hmm. I mean, it... Um, all of it is needed. All those conversations are needed, and and they all either support or don't support each other. Nothing can be pulled out and completely separate. But and that's uh, kind of where I was going in my head too. I think that is appropriate to this. Um, but, but the thought that I was having is that we have to. We have to. There is no wrong front to be working on. No. No, and I think it's really important for people to remember that because there's so much going on, yeah. and you know it's really, it's really easy to think that I should be, you know, mm-hmm. fill in the blank mm-hmm. because some of your friends are doing it, or right. it's hitting the news, or the right. And I mean, also, you know, it's a false choice to have to choose between the suffering of people that are outside of your sphere and. And caring for the people who who you see every day. So, for example, let's say you were caring for an elderly parent. Mm -hmm. And that was taking you from showing up for refugees. Um, Are you wrong? No, of course not. Does you, does your are, are we in a state where we have to do triage and say the elderly who who they they don't have anything to give blah 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 right. you know like they, we should right. let them you know go without um, basic care because we all need to show up because people are dying in Aleppo or whatever you know like it's a false choice it's not that's 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 a that's a good one for me to hold on to because it sort of it got a little clearer as we were talking. Yeah, and I think with that is to remember to check ourselves and say, am mean? I walking away from this, hmm. for instance, the tra- a tragedy in any given country mm-hmm. um, or neighborhood for that matter, or family for that matter? Um, am I walking away from that because I'm uncomfortable with it or because I just don't feel like dealing with it or I'm not, if I'm not connected, then maybe I'm just not connected to it. It's not a call. It's not something that, but, um, or am I walking away because I feel like they're not 
worthy or having been not feeling really well myself for over a month now, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really feeling how much that impacts my ability to be in the world in the way that I want to be, you know, so I'm actually triaging me, right. right. You know, so like I get through work day, whatever that looks like. And all I do in the evening is try to rest and gather enough resources so I can do that again tomorrow. So mm-hmm. to do any more than that, it's just not, it's just not feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, but to notice when we're just walking away because it's easy to walk away because we don't have to walk away and making excuses about, well, they're, they're over there and that's their problem. And to remember that their problem exists partly because our country has intervened, for instance, Mm -hmm. or because I want, you know, one of, um, however relevant it is, but it just popped into my head. Um, the now famous wall that we're building, you know, it's like the taxpayers paying for the wall and then taxes on the things that might come from Mexico as a way of having, so like, so wait, so I get to pay for it twice. Right. Right. And then also remembering that the piece of that, which I think a lot of people forget is that the reason those things are coming from Mexico is because we can get them on the cheap. And if you had to pay a local farmer real wages, to produce that food, then you'd be complaining a lot about the price of your food, right? You know, so we allow a really tiny, I just went completely on a tangent that I don't think is like hopping across, but we allow a very small uh, focus, a very narrow focus to, to make the decisions for us. Right. Right. We, we allow very, very narrow focus to make our decisions. And we are, in fact, a global community. And we have to remember that what happens to someone else, no matter how far away they are, is not only impacting us, but it might well be that it is because of some impact that we've created for them. Right. Right. So... So when I say yes or when I say no, when I lean into an action or I lean away from it and say I just don't have the personal resources for it, I part of my commitment is to check with myself and say, why are you saying no? Mm-hmm. And then just taking, it's like something about being a grown-up, right? Being <laughs> mature enough to say, are you just being a whiny baby and you just don't want to do this? Or you're lazy or you'd rather just go eat cake instead of cooking a meal? You know, it's like, so... <laughs> So, so like, am I making an informed decision that's right for me and for the world right now when I step back from this battle or this friction or this problem? Or am I just being straight up selfish? Because what I really want to say to myself is do what you can. And then if you can, just a little bit more. I loved everything you just said. I just had little sparks. So one of them, like a little like footnote on that is that women are told that they're selfish all their lives because they're not putting them whenever they put themselves first. Yes. So we need to have a little bit of um, sort of a filter there around that feeling to, to know that that's something we've been programmed to think. And that the other thought that I had is, and this one, um, this may be harder to explain, but that is that, maybe what I can put for myself anyway as a guiding sort of North Star to keep me on course is the idea, that connection that 
I think is very hard to make that if somebody far, far away from us is, is impacted in negative ways, it affects us. Um, it, it feels like intellectually true, but abstract in a way that, that you can get into this point where it's like, oh, come on, who, you know, really? But you, when you really think it through, you follow the, the path of it all, it's true. But if we decide to just believe that, whether or not we can make the connection in a visceral way mm. and come from a, a belief that, getting things healthy for the world is getting things healthy for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that there are certain difficult places where you have to decide, can I sacrifice this night's sleep, for example? Can I? And maybe sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is no. And you're not just weighing this terrible tragedy thing that you're trying to intervene that's far, far away, but you're also weighing the fact that you have to for me, like, I have to drive my stepson to work tomorrow, you know, and he's 22 and trying to figure out how to start a life mm -hmm. and be someone who impacts the world in a positive way himself and, you know, needs support in getting to become that. So in, in a sense, I'd like to say it like this. The world is your garden. You have to look around and see where it needs water. And maybe your garden is huge. <laughs> um, and maybe the thing that you have to focus on today is that poison ivy that's coming in on the on the left or um, that dried up bed that you just put seeds in and they're not going to make it, whereas that, that, that wilted looking kale can survive a day or two if you don't give it its attention. And so uh, there's a lot of need. And it's yeah. possible that individually we're not, I mean, it's probable that individually we're not going to be able to meet it. Um, and there'll have to be choices, but we get to make those choices and we get to view it like it's all ours in that way. What do you think? And I think it's important that we remember um, to not measure the value and worth of ourselves and our own choices based on the fact that somebody else does have a huge garden <laughs> and they're attending it wonderfully. <laughs> <laughs> and everything is just glowing. And their name is Martha Stewart. And <laughs> but, <laughs> she, well, but she's got a team. Exactly. And I mean, having a team is okay, too. Exactly. Right? And some people that. are that kind of visionary where they can pull together a team mm -hmm. and they move forward and they do have huge. And of course, this is what the way our system's designed. That's what our leadership is supposed to do. Right. Right. Our leadership is supposed to take all those little gardens and all that input and all the people's needs into consideration mm -hmm. and, and make decisions that are good for everyone, including our environment. <laughs> Plug for focus. <laughs> and, you know, and there's a complete lack of immaturity in our leadership I mean, our government, um, complete lack is extreme. There's, there's things at play and things that happen there that, of course, we're not privy to all of, but it's like, it's a, a, so, um, it seems like such a toxic and dysfunctional group of leaders Yeah, and, and they could be doing a whole lot better, but so back to the garden is, yeah, some people have huge gardens and they tend them really well because that's the kind of person right. they are. And each of us has to have the kind of garden that we can have. Right. And yeah. our garden, and when I say garden, I'm including all the people who you're friends with on Facebook. They're your garden. Yeah. All of the people in your household, they're your garden. Yeah. Uh, all the, the social circles you interact with. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Onward and onward. Yeah. So, 
I love talking to you. Any any last thing you want to say? No? No. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. So I'll just say I'm going to end up dividing this. I'll have a one main episode, and then I'll just take some of this chunk at the end and make a little bonus round. So um, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here, Cherise. And let's see what happens next time. My next podcast will be with Angie Seth, who is a climate scientist at the University of Connecticut, teaches about climate science, um, and I'm sure has a lot to say about what's been going on since the last time she and I spoke, and, and especially in the last few weeks. So, um, And also can update us on the latest science, which um, is going to be harder and harder to find that information. Not too hard, we'll find it. It's just, you know, the government channels for it are... Uh, are getting a little bit shut down. So I look forward to talking to her and and, um, editing this conversation and see what comes next. Thanks again, Therese. Thanks, Amy.